Welcome to Let's Talk FCA, presented by Quillen Mooring, bringing you the latest developments with the False Claims Act. On today's episode, we're going to focus on looking back at some of the top healthcare-related FCA recoveries and developments of 2019, as well as DOJ's focus going forward in this arena. As many of you are aware, the trend in recent years shows a very heavy emphasis on Healthcare False Claims Act matters, with FCA healthcare actions making up the majority of new cases filed, as well as the majority of recoveries. Joining me today for this discussion is my new co-host, Jacinta Alves. Jacinta is a partner in Cole and Mooring's Washington, D.C. office, practicing in our healthcare and government contracts. Her practice includes representing and counseling healthcare providers, managed care organizations, and a variety of government contractors and grantees on litigation, regulatory compliance, and investigatory matters, with a focus on False Claims Act issues. Jacinta also sits with me on Kroll & Mooring's steering committee for our False Claims Act working group. Jacinta, so glad to have you joining me. Can you kick us off with discussion of the 2019 healthcare-related FCA recovery statistics? Thanks, Mana. Yes, I appreciate the introduction, and I'm very excited to join you uh, co-hosting this podcast and looking forward to working together. Before jumping into the False Claims Act recovery stats from 2019, I did want to just take a moment to acknowledge that we are clearly in unprecedented times here with the COVID-19 pandemic that's been declared and all that is going on, both from the government perspective, as well as from industry and healthcare clients, all up and down the chain from payers to providers and suppliers in trying to meet the need here. As a result of that, and a lot of people working to come together, unfortunately, we are also seeing some initial persons taking advantage of that. And already the Department of Justice has filed a temporary restraining order with respect to one website that was purporting to sell vaccines that were approved from the World Health Organization. This is patently false, and it looks to be a wire fraud scheme in which people would enter their credit card info and charge $4.95. So that's just some of the blatant fraud. We do expect in coming weeks and months, it's hard to know now, that there's already been a lot of guidance loosening up a lot of regulations from the telehealth space, for example, as well as requirements for electronic health records and sharing information under HIPAA, a lot of flexibility given for government contractors and grantees, as well as for providers in in terms of billing, et cetera. And At some point, probably down the road, we're going to see the pendulum swing back where the government is also going to be looking. This is going to be Department of Justice, OIG, as well as U.S. attorneys, which have already started setting up task force, but a focus on people who are trying to take advantage of the system in this crisis. So more to come in coming episodes. So I just wanted to stop for a second and talk about that. But going back to the recovery stats from 2019, The Department of Justice had announced that the government recovered more than $3 billion in FCA settlements and judgments for fiscal year 2019. Of that 2019 total, the vast majority, $2.6 billion, came from the healthcare industry. And I mean that term sort of broadly, right? It includes both in the healthcare delivery space as well as in grants related to the healthcare industry and contracts related to the healthcare industry. It included 
recoveries from drug and medical device manufacturers, managed care providers, hospitals, pharmacies, hospice organizations, laboratories, and physicians. This is the 10th consecutive year that DOJ's civil healthcare fraud settlements and judgments exceeded $2 billion. It's important to note that this $2.6 billion figure reflects recoveries only to the federal government. It doesn't include additional millions of dollars that were recouped or received, whether through settlement or through litigation and AG actions under state false claims acts matters and for state Medicaid programs. Lastly, of the 782 new federal FCA suits that were filed in fiscal year 2019, 505 of them were healthcare industry matters continuing the trend that we've consistently seen in the last several years, where healthcare matters comprise approximately two-thirds of all new FCA case filings. Thanks, Jacinta. With that backdrop in mind, let's dig into some of the healthcare-related headlines from fiscal year 2019. The key headline here is that the Department of Justice was able to obtain several large and significant settlements from healthcare companies in 2019, maintaining its trend from past years. So two of the largest recoveries involving the healthcare industry came from opioid manufacturers. As we're all aware, over the last several decades, increased prescription of opioid medications has contributed to widespread misuse of highly addictive prescription opioids, contributing to what has now become known as the opioid crisis. And the False Claims Act has also become a tool used by the government to combat the crisis. So, for instance, in fiscal year 2019, Insys Therapeutics paid $195 million to settle civil allegations that it paid kickbacks to induced physicians and nurse practitioners to prescribe a strong prescription pain medicine that contains an opioid narcotic for their patients. The settlement was part of a global resolution of both criminal and civil claims, and the kickbacks allegedly included jobs for the prescribers' relatives and friends, sham speaker events, and extravagant meals and entertainment. The U.S. government also alleged that the company had improperly encouraged physicians to prescribe the pain medication for patients who did not actually have cancer and had allegedly lied to insurers about patients' diagnoses to obtain payment by federal health care programs. Then in another opioid-related FCA settlement, Reckitt Bensicker Group PLC paid a total of $1.4 billion to resolve criminal and civil liability related to the marketing of an opioid addiction treatment drug it makes. As part of the global resolution of that matter, the company paid the government $500 million to resolve civil allegations that it promoted the opioid addiction treatment drug to physicians who were writing prescriptions for uses that were unsafe, ineffective, and medically unnecessary that the company had promoted the drug using false and misleading claims, and that it had attempted to delay generic competition for the drug in order to improperly control its pricing. So those recoveries made headlines in 2019, and they're examples of opioid-related cases proceeding through resolution. But the past year was also pretty notable for other sizable recoveries against the pharmaceutical industry. That's right, Mana. DOJ definitely pursued many drug manufacturers. They were absolutely in the crosshairs this past fiscal year. One matter in particular against Avenir that I'll note resulted in the company paying over $95 million to resolve civil FCA claims that it paid kickbacks and engaged in false and misleading marketing of its drug to induce healthcare providers in long-term care facilities to prescribe it for behaviors commonly associated with dementia patients, 
which was not an FDA approved use of the drug. In another quite notable recovery, seven drug manufacturers paid a combined total of over $624 million to resolve allegations that they illegally paid patient copays for their own drugs through purportedly independent foundations that the companies had actually treated as mere conduits. The Department of Justice touted its recovery against the seven companies, noting that Congress intended for copay requirements in the Medicare program in part to impose a check on healthcare costs, including the prices that pharmaceutical companies can demand for their drugs. There are other cases in addition to these, the seven, that are still winding through the system, and there were some prior to fiscal year 2019 as well, and expect there to be a continued focus on these types of charitable foundations and really whether certain drug manufacturers are adhering to OIG advisory opinions in how the drug manufacturers are supposed to be separate, not controlling certain funds that the copay assistance foundations run. Thanks, Jacinta. And in addition to recoveries against drug manufacturers, the government has also obtained in this past year substantial eight-figure, multi-million-dollar recoveries against a variety of other healthcare providers. Some of these recoveries involved allegations of false claims related to electronic health records, which is becoming an increasingly hot topic for DOJ pursuit in the FCA healthcare arena. Agreed. In the aftermath of some of these fiscal year 2019 recoveries in late February this year, particularly, DOJ telegraphed to the Ketam Bar three top target areas for False Claims Act enforcement in 2020, all of which are healthcare areas of focus. Jody Hunt, who, as you may know, is Assistant Attorney General for the DOJ Civil Division, delivered the message during a 30-minute keynote speech at the Federal Bar Association's annual Ketam Conference in Washington, D.C. Much of the speech focused on three areas, nursing homes, Medicare Advantage, and electronic health records. Assistant Attorney General Hunt indicated that those are the areas where DOJ officials intend to focus their resources and expect to see an increasing number of cases in the coming year. With respect to electronic health records in particular, and in addition to DOJ's significant fiscal year 19 recoveries, the government announced another $145 million resolution in January of this year involving FCA penalties and criminal fines stemming from the use of electronic health records to steer physicians toward prescribing a drug maker's opioid painkillers. Alluding to that resolved matter, Assistant Attorney General Hunt stated in his recent speech that given the critical and growing role that electronic health records play in our healthcare system today, we are expecting and anticipating more of these cases in the future. So that gives us quite a sense of the additional FCA healthcare risk areas that will be highly scrutinized going forward. Just a few more points on the nursing home front. We expect it not just to be limited to nursing homes, but generally in, in the post-acute care area. And you know, we'll talk a little bit later about Care and the recent Third Circuit case that just came down which has to do with hospice providers. We also believe there's going to be additional enforcement areas with long-term care, home health. I mean, these aren't areas that are anyway new to the FCA enforcement area, but appear to be ramping up. Similarly, on the Medicare Advantage piece, there have been already an increase in Medicare Advantage enforcement, largely having to do with risk adjustment data validation audits or RADV audits, and a lot having to do with 
prior auth requirements and what ends up occurring on audit, we expect there to be greater expansion of issues on the Medicare Advantage side as well. So, Jacinta, you raised some good points there. Let's switch gears away now from the headlines regarding settlements and policy announcements by DOJ and move over to the significant healthcare FCA decisions. Of course, there have been many. We're just going to have a moment to touch on a couple of them. So one of the cases we've followed closely is the 11th Circuit decision in Care, which just recently ended in a settlement. Jacinta, can you give us the background and highlights of that decision and how it unfolded? Sure, Mona. In a long-awaited opinion in the Care saga, on September 9th, 2019, the 11th Circuit unanimously vacated Care's FCA victory at the lower court and remanded the case for further proceedings. So while the case was remanded and it might at first blush seem to be a victory for the government, the 11th Circuit affirmed the district court's important conclusion that a clinical judgment of terminal illness that warrants hospice benefits under Medicare cannot be deemed false for purposes of the False Claims Act when one, there's only a reasonable disagreement between medical experts as to the accuracy of that conclusion, and two, there is no other evidence to prove the falsity of that assessment. So Care is a hospice provider, and at issue here was the medical judgment or clinical judgment of certifying a patient's terminal illness that warrants the hospice benefits. In this case, it would be that a patient have a six-month or less prognosis for living. The 11th Circuit concluded that you have to have an objective falsehood in order to meet the falsity requirement under the False Claims Act. And if you have two experts without any other evidence to prove falsity of that assessment, then experts disagreeing isn't sufficient to prove objective falsehood. But in this particular case, the reason why it was remanded, the 11th Circuit had also found that the government should have been allowed to rely on the entire record to try to prove that there was other evidence demonstrating falsity of the assessment. In affirming the district court's holding, and this is important, the 11th Circuit remarked that it appears to be, quote unquote, the first circuit court to consider the precise question at at issue here. The 11th Circuit also noted that while there is no question that clinical judgments must be tethered to a patient's valid medical records, it is equally clear that the law is designed to give physicians meaningful latitude to make informed judgments without fear that those judgments will be second-guessed after the fact by laymen in a liability proceeding. So this decision, this 11th Circuit decision, was an extraordinary move that provides hospice facilities as well as other providers, such as hospitals, more generally with a degree of assurance that a reasonable disagreement between clinicians in a courtroom without other evidence does not create a jury question and cannot serve as the basis for an action under the FCA. That is until another case, Care Alternatives, which we'll discuss shortly. But um, following the remand of that proceeding, Care has since settled at the end of February for $1 million. So the Care lengthy litigation has been brought to an end. That's right, Jacinta. And it's also important to note other cases that have come out in the aftermath of the Acericare decision. 
So briefly, we want to touch on a Third Circuit decision that was just issued earlier this month that bears on the same issue relating to objective falsity as an element of FCA liability. So, Jacinta, to tell us about the matter in Druding et al. v. Care Alternatives. That's right, Mona. In an actual, or at least apparent, conflict with the 11th Circuit Care opinion, the Third Circuit ruled in early March that relators didn't need to show objective falsity to prove their claims, and that a dispute among physician experts about clinical judgment was, in fact, sufficient under the False Claims Act and could defeat a summary judgment motion. So Care Alternatives had filed, also a hospice provider, had filed for summary judgment, and they argued that a difference of opinion between experts was insufficient to create a triable dispute of fact as to the element of falsity under the FCA. So essentially, the same sort of setup as what was in Care. The lower court had agreed, basically adopting Care's holding, that an objective falsehood something that is more than just a difference of, of opinion or clinical judgment was required to demonstrate falsity. On appeal, the Third Circuit also held that the FCA's falsity standard includes both factual falsity, you know, when a claim is false on its face, similar to what Care was referring to, but it also includes legal falsity. And legal falsity is when the physician, essentially whether the physician's certification of eligibility complied with Medicare hospice regulations, and that both factual and legal falsity can serve as a basis for falsity under the elements of the FCA. The court specifically says that they reject the district court's bright line rule that a doctor's clinical judgment cannot be false. You can tell that the Third Circuit was concerned with a pronouncement that insulated at all costs that any decision or any submission for payment that required clinical judgment was insulated from FCA prosecution. And you could see that they're trying to walk that back a little bit. The Third Circuit specifically noted that they depart from the framing of FCA falsity as framed in the 11th Circuit of Care opinion. And they said, limiting falsity to factual falsity is inconsistent with our case law, which reads FCA falsity more broadly as legal falsity, encompassing circumstances where claim for reimbursement is non-compliant with requirements under the statute and regulations. The Third Circuit specifically said objective falsehood isn't necessary, and that simply because a physician's medical judgment was part of a decision to submit a claim that does not insulate the claim from being considered false under the False Claims Act. Interestingly, and as you could expect now, while there are some distinctions that can be drawn between the Third Circuit and Eleventh Circuit ruling, members of the FCA bar are viewing them as a circuit split, and particularly Care Alternatives has indicated that they're evaluating options, which may include an appeal to the Supreme Court in order to resolve any perceived or actual circuit split created by the ruling. Thanks, Jacinta. We will, of course, continue to track any developments on that front and any potential submission to the United States Supreme Court. So that's all for today's episode on FCA healthcare developments and recoveries of 2019, as well as part of the DOJ outlook for 2020 and beyond. 
If listeners have any follow-up questions on these topics, please feel free to reach out to me at 213-443-5563 or Jacinta at 202-624-2573. Thanks for listening and see you next time on Let's Talk FCA. Let's Talk FCA is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. You can find more information at kroll.com slash letstalkfca. FCA.